Thanks for listening to the Friday Live Extra from NET Radio, a weekly podcast featuring arts and humanities in Nebraska, and an online-only feature we produce in conjunction with our weekly radio show, Friday Live. I'm Genevieve Randall, and this week on our podcast, I have someone here in the studio with me to talk about trios and tangos, but not any trios and tangos. Trios and tangos played on bassoons. Husker bassoons. Bassoonist from the University of Nebraska-Lincoln, Dr. Nathan Cook is assistant professor of bassoon in the Glenn Korff School of Music at UNL. Nathan, it's great to have you here in the studio. Thank you so much for having me. I'm delighted to be here. (laughs) Well, I'm excited to talk about bassoon. And I guess I'm laughing because bassoon is one of those instruments that I think stands out. If you look at an orchestra, I think most likely a person who hasn't been to many orchestra concerts, they've probably seen a cello or a violin. Mm -hmm. And as you start your gazing back through the brass, you're like, oh, yeah, a trombone. Okay, good. A trumpet. What is this thing in the woodwind section? Yes, absolutely. That's really tall, and it has this skinny little piece of metal that comes out mm-hmm. to the mouthpiece, um, which I know is called a bocal. Yes. Oh, that's awesome. So that's <laughs> a piece Great. of trivia information, yeah. right? How did you come to the bassoon before we talk about this performance? Oh, gosh. Well, you know, we like to say the wand chooses you. It's one of those things, anybody who plays an instrument, they will often go through at least a few trying to find their voice and their means of expression. Those of us that are not gifted with the the use of our vocal vocal cords, uh, you know, for that, um, really appreciate these other outlets. Um, So my first instrument was piano uh, when I was, you know, little, uh, tiny little one. Um, and then my first wind instrument was actually a bass clarinet. Um, both of my parents yeah. were band directors, and so we always had um, um, instruments lying around the living room. And so I thought the bass clarinet looked cool. And it looked kind of like a saxophone, but everybody played saxophone, and I wanted to be different. Uh, and so I picked that one up, and um, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, but, you know, pretty soon I, I also... I heard bassoon, things like Sorcerer's Apprentice and, and all those fun things from Fantasia. I was like, that sounds pretty cool. And that's yet another very unique thing. I'm going to try that. And so I switched to that in about seventh grade. And yeah, it's it's really uh, proved very, very challenging, but very rewarding as well. So I think yeah. another famous bassoon excerpt is that the bassoon represents grandpa, basically, in the story of Peter and the Wolf. Definitely. So that's another connection people might make to the bassoon. Mm-hmm. You have a studio of, of bassoons. How many bassoon students are there? Uh, right now, I have, depending on how you count, uh, I've got, uh, you know, between three and five, you know, a mixture of uh, majors, music performance majors, uh, some undergraduate non-majors also taking lessons. So it, it, it varies. But, okay. Yeah. I gotcha. And so you've organized this concert for those students to perform. Correct. Uh-huh. Good to have a goal, right, to work towards. Of course. That's, why these recitals exist. April 14th, 7.30 p.m. in Westbrook Recital Hall. Now, there's no in-person, so this is live-streamed. What kind of music are your bassoonists playing? This concert will feature um, my three graduate students, two master's students and uh, my uh, doctoral student. Um, They are all in their second semester here. We put together a program of what you might call a, a couple quote-unquote standards uh, in the um, bassoon ensemble repertoire. And it's a really, really nice mixture and a blend of late romanticism 
and a couple pieces with Latin American dance styles uh, blended with the European uh, influences. So I see yeah. Esther Piazzolla's of name. Of course. Famous for kind of mixing the tango with, or maybe even just elevating the tango mm-hmm. to the concert hall, I think is the way you see Definitely. it described, right? Yes. Um, what kind of piece, what's what's the Piazzolla piece that you program? Well, it's exactly as, as you'd expect from Piazzolla. Um, like you mentioned, he did uh, elevate and blend it with uh, classical elements and jazz a little bit, you'll hear. But it was originally a piece, the uh, Tango Suite was originally written for a guitar duo. It is a multi-movement work. We're playing two out of the three movements because it is a quite lengthy. It was arranged by one of the um, bassoonists from the Toronto Symphony a few decades ago, Fraser Jackson. Uh, he arranged it for his quartet that he was in back in the 90s, the Caliban Bassoon Quartet. If you want to hear some really fantastic ensemble playing, they were kind of one of the early professional bassoon quartets that were recorded. They have many, many great albums. And so as a result of that um, performing group, we have a huge library from which to draw. Um, but uh, yeah, the, the Piazzolla, is a, it's a really, really fun tango. We're doing the second movement, which is a slow, very smoky Parisian cafe style piece than the first movement, which is a lot more um, upbeat uh, with a a hint of percussion. I'll say that. So if you watch, you'll see what I mean. I've heard some recordings of Caliban Quartet. And in fact, we have some of their recordings in in our library. It's neat to me to think about how we just talked about how the bassoon might be sort of unknown to some people, but there's this whole world that opens up. The Caliban sounds like they're kind of pioneers of arranging music for bassoon ensemble. Yes. I'm sure that you know of bassoonists as you've made your way through your career, like the bassoonists from the Toronto Symphony, mm-hmm. who are sort of famous amongst bassoonists, <laughs> right? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, and especially as a young player, um, like I mentioned, I started in seventh grade. Uh, some of my favorite albums were from the Caliban Quartet and the South Minneapolis Bassoon Quartet, who was uh, you know, an all-female uh, bassoon quartet um, in the Minneapolis area. I listened. If those were records, they would have deep grooves in them. But luckily, the CDs were very, very sturdy because I listened to those almost nonstop. And they were truly formative uh, in, in uh, you know, me developing my concept of, of what sound I wanted and, and everything else having to do with bassoons. And you make your own reads, I'm assuming. Absolutely. Thinking about our current times. What does a bassoonist do in order to play safely? How do your students play in ensembles Mm -hmm. and keep each other safe? Like many other wind instruments, we paid a lot of attention to the studies that came out of Colorado as far as the aerosol travel and things like that. And so very quickly, we implemented the distancing guidelines um, outlined in there. Um, We play with masks that have tiny little holes cut in them because the reed actually does have to go in the mouth uh, for us to make a sound. And so there is a little flap that opens up so we can get the hole in there. Uh, The bell covers also do make a a good amount of difference. Those are the the main things. How does covering the bell of a bassoon change things? I keep hearing from brass players about how it's almost like a little bit of a mute, but in a different way. Yeah, uh, that's a good way to describe it. It does change the tone quality a little bit. It has um, more of an effect on our the the intonation and the tone color as we go lower in the register. The lower you go on on our instrument, the more sound and the more air comes out of the bell, 
which mm-hmm. is the top of the bassoon. Depending on the type of bell cover you use, you may not even be able to play your lowest two notes because it's so muffled. Mm. But uh, no, we, we make do, definitely. Well, as long as we have you here, Nathan, and we're talking about the uniqueness of the bassoon, let's just say someone is listening to our podcast here today and they think, <laughs> you know what, maybe I'd like to pick up bassoon as a hobby. Oh, okay. What's yeah. the first thing they should do? First thing you should do is, number one, reach out to me. Uh, so I could <laughs> set you up uh, with either a teacher or we can have a couple, um, you know, introductory lessons ourselves. Like any instrument, it's important for you to get off on the right foot so you have a good experience. Um, you can learn a lot by being self-taught. Uh, I grew up in central Kansas, and I actually didn't have a regular bassoon teacher until I got to college. So as a result, I... I was doing a lot of things, maybe not in the most efficient way possible. Even if it's just a hobby, you want to make sure that you're approaching it in the the best way possible. You want to make sure that you have access to some decent reeds. I know you mentioned that earlier. Most professional bassoonists, most collegiate bassoonists make their own reeds by hand. And in many respects, they're a lot more reliable than maybe something you order randomly on the on the interwebs, you know, so to speak. Uh, <laughs> And the Good. beauty of having an, a uh, very knowledgeable bassoonist in your life is that those reeds, we can help adapt them to your style of playing. And that's something that uh, is it's, it's pretty crucial. Advice from an expert here in Nebraska, <laughs> Dr. Nathan Cook, who is assistant professor of bassoon in the Glenn Korff School of Music at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. Cook's students are giving a recital, and that is on April 14th at 7.30 p.m. And we'll have a link to more information, of course, on the Friday Live page of our website. Nathan, a pleasure talking with you. I hope we do this again. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. The Friday Live Extra is a weekly podcast from NET Radio. Production help from Dave Hughes. Our theme music is by Alexios Anest. You can learn more about people and groups involved in arts and humanities in Nebraska by listening to Friday Live, broadcast statewide each week on NET Radio, streaming audio and video online at netnebraska.org, and also available as a podcast. I'm Genevieve Randall. 